There have been a lot of great hockey players over the years. Legends, both on and off the ice. The Overtime Podcast checks in with some of hockey's biggest names and talks about what these great players are up to today. Welcome to the Overtime Podcast. Here's your host, Gino Retta. Hey, hockey fans, welcome to the 7-Eleven Overtime Podcast. I'm your host, Gino Retta. You know, I've spent over four decades working in the game of hockey, fortunate enough to meet some of the great legends of the game, saw them come into the league, watched them shine in the game, and now they've moved on to life after the game. The 7-Eleven Overtime Podcast gives the chance to catch up, tell some great stories, relive some great memories, and hear what they're up to today. Today's legend, drafted in the first round in 1995, 13th overall by the then Hartford Whalers, still holds the Anaheim Ducks record for career wins and shutouts. He's a Stanley Cup champion. He's a Conn Smythe Trophy winner, but very uniquely so. He's the last player to be named MVP in the Stanley Cup playoffs while playing for a team that did not win the Stanley Cup. He is hockey legend Jean-Sebastien Giguere. J.S., welcome to the show, my friend. It's going to be great to catch up with you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm really good. You know what time it is? It's time to crush your cravings with 7-Eleven Cravables, like their world-famous taquitos, fully loaded nachos, hot from the oven in minutes 24-7 pizza, and the one and only Slurpee. They'll deliver it straight to your door before you can say, Hey dude, have you seen my phone? Get 7-Eleven delivered fast, 24-7. Use promo code FREE7 to get $7 off your first two orders of $15 or more on 7Now. Download the 7-Eleven app. I think one of the last times that you and I actually spent a lot of time together was your celebration on the ice. Yes. <laughs> we were on the ice and the madness was going on. It's one of my career highlights, and certainly I'm sure it was one of yours. What do you still remember about that night? Well, you know, I remember, uh, you know, now that my dad's passed, you know, I'm so happy that I was able to share that with him. You know, I think he, uh, you know, he... My, my parents had five kids. They all played sports to a high level, and they put out a lot, a lot of time, a lot of energy. They sacrificed a lot. All their spare money, their spare change would go to uh, towards us playing sports. So uh, I, I think, he, he, you know, to be able to share that with, you know, my mom couldn't be there, unfortunately, but to be there with my dad and being able to share that with him and obviously with the rest of my family, uh, that was uh, amazing for me. It was a lot of celebration. For me, it was a couple hours on the ice. For you, I'm going to guess it went on for days, no? Yeah, it went on for days, of course, you know, and uh, ends the Stanley Cup hangover. But uh, uh, <laughs> funny enough, the next day we went to uh, the Tonight Show, uh, a couple of guys uh, with our dads and stuff who were in the limo, and we had to uh, do a quick stop because my dad wasn't feeling very well from drinking all the champagne the night before. So, uh, you know... <laughs> Was yeah, it was your dad that was hungover, not you, yeah. your dad. Well, not, not me, not me. <laughs> I, I want to talk about the, your Stanley Cup final run in, in a couple of minutes. But first, I want to talk about, listen, I got, uh, they call me a goalie hugger because, you know, I love the goalies and I've always had great relationships with the goaltenders. And I think your season in 02-03 was probably like, your, your Stanley Cup winning season was spectacular, obviously. But your 02-03 season that was the year you ended up winning the Conn Smythe in the cup final, despite losing was one of the, the single greatest goaltending performance I've ever seen in NHL history through a playoff run. That's for me as a broadcaster talking about every step of the way, what was it like for you to experience that run 
<laughs> it was great. It was a lot of fun, you know, but thank you. That's, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, knowing that there's been so many great goaltending in, the, in this league and great performance, uh, you know, it's nice to hear that uh, from you. But uh, uh, honestly, I was really scared. <laughs> you know, I went into the playoff, the play right. Red Wings that won the Stanley Cup the year before. I, I really didn't expect to uh, to have much success personally or the team. Uh, I just wanted to get some experience, really. Uh, but, you know, I think uh, when I got traded to Anaheim, uh, I started working with Francois Allaire, the goalie coach there. And, and it's the first thing he's told me that the minute I got traded there, I met with him at his house uh, not far from mine. And he said, you know, we're going to get ready to win the Stanley Cup. And I was like, you know, I was kind of taking it back a bit because I wasn't even in the league yet. You know, I, I was like, you know, I'd love to win the Stanley Cup one day. But I, at first, you know, I just got to put myself into the league and, and make sure that I, I get a job full time. And uh, but, you know, from that day on, all we did is get prepared to go to the playoffs. He's like, once the team will be ready, you will be. And uh, really, that's what happened. The team was ready to go in the playoff. And I personally felt like I was ready too. You know what? Maybe we should follow up on the Francois Lair thing because that was that was a cutting edge thought process at that time. Because you, had, I mean, it's hard for us now in the game to go. What do you mean? It was like everybody has a goalie coach. No, that's not the case. As a matter of fact, when you came <laughs> to the league, it was kind of like humble beginnings for you. You know, you got drafted by Hartford, never played for them. You didn't play much for the Calgary Flames while you were their property. Uh, spent a lot of time in the minors. But in fairness, they didn't have anybody in that organization that was doing anything with the young goaltenders. Recount your situation with Rick Vive and, and such that was going well, on. Well, you know, yeah, yeah you know, uh, it, it was really hard in Calgary. We had a, a really young team, uh, you know, in the minors, lots of talent. We, we went to the Calder Cup final, you know, a couple of years and. And, uh, you know, they won the year, I think, after I left. So, you know, there was a lot, a lot of talent there, but there was not many guys developing the talent. You know, we had one coach in the minors, Rick Vibe, and that's it. You know, nobody was helping helping him. We didn't have any goalie coach and stuff like that. So you kind of got – I got lost in the shuffle. You know, I, I kind of forgot how I like to play. Uh, I was fortunate growing up in Quebec. You know, you could go to Francois and Benoit Allaire's uh, goalie school. And uh, I got Benoit Allaire as a goalie coach my first year in junior. So, uh, you know, I got real good teaching young. But, you know, as you grow and, and uh, you don't have anybody, like, you know, you become a professional, it's hard to lose yourself. And some of it was my doing. And some of it was probably the lack of, of uh, uh, guidance from, from anybody. So uh, I think Calgary was really lacking in those days. Uh, I think it was... Uh, you know, in, in, in mid-90s, it was hard for the Canadian teams to spend money, uh, you know, so they, they they save here and there on coaching and stuff like that. But uh, uh, hopefully it's not like this anymore in Calgary. I, I don't think it is. But, uh, you know, it was a blessing when I got traded to Anaheim. Uh, you know, it, it was the best thing that happened. My buddy Craig Button, dear friend of mine, yeah. I work with him every day. <laughs> And there, there are certain things you got to be able to look back and go, Craig, remember when you <laughs> tell us, tell us the Craig Button story and his involvement with you. I love poking him with this. I don't know. I'd love to talk to him one day about it, how he felt. I think it was his first day on the job in Calgary. And uh, he bought out Marty St. Louis. 
and he traded me to uh, Anaheim that that same day. So <laughs> I'm not sure those were his best moves, but they they worked out for Marty and I, and and I think uh, uh, I'm thankful that he did that. You know, but I, you know, I and I can't blame him because in those days, honestly, I I had lost my last 17, 18 games in the minors that year, uh, and not only lost, like I got pulled probably eight, nine, ten times of those games. So my game was way off. My confidence was, you know, not present. I probably would have done the same thing if I was him. So uh, thank God he did. You know, I'm sure uh, maybe he's looking back today <laughs> and shaking his head. But, you, you know, these things happen in hockey and sometimes you just need a, another chance someone else. And then your your career just rocketed with with Anaheim and with Francois Lair. You were talking a couple of seconds ago briefly about how it was important. I mean, Ricky Vives, a buddy of mine as well. We've had him on the show. We've had some great conversations. Yeah, yeah. But he's not a goalie coach. You know, there, well, there's nothing he's going to do to develop you. So now you've got a, a real goalie coach at a Francois Lair. What, what did you, like, not just the technical side of it, because I'm sure you worked with the technical aspect of it, but mentally to have somebody on your side and I go, oh, my gosh, someone's actually paying attention to me for the first time in years. What did that mean to you? Oh, it was awesome. Like, such a relief. And uh, I tell you what, I'll do a sidebar right now for Francois. He should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, that should be so, so easy for me. And, you know, the goaltending is the way it is today because of him and his yeah. brother, right? But uh, from the equipment to, to the technique and, and the way the guys are playing today, uh, all of it comes from him. He had a hockey school in Europe. He, t he taught so many... Uh, coaches how to teach the you know the goalies and uh, he wrote book about the the position uh, you know he's he's done videos and stuff like that so you know he's probably had a 25 30 year career he's got many Stanley Cup in his bag uh, all a guy like that is not in the Hall of Fame is beyond me that's my sidebar you make a great point man we're going to put builders in there for what they did with the organizations you're absolutely right he changed goaltending. Oh, absolutely. You know, there's no doubt about it. He's still up to date today. You know, he still uh, would be ahead of so many other goalie coach right now. Uh, and and the, the amazing part is, is, you know, the way that he wants you to play is so simple, but it's so hard. You know, it takes so, <laughs> such a toll on your body because you, you have to move so much. But uh, the first day I told you, the first day I met him, he talked to me about the Stanley Cup, but... Uh, I remember he's like, come over to my house. We'll do a little video. You know, I'll show you how I want you to play and how I think that you uh, you should approach the game. And it, it changed my life. You know, I got out of there from, from his house. I still remember it was probably like July 5th or 6th in the summer. And I got out and I felt, you know, a weight that lifted off my shoulder. You know, I, 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 I had guidance right away. And I even, you know, tried it. But I just remembered what I used to do when I was a kid. And it just... I was like, oh, this is so cool. And I would see uh, uh, how a guy would do, and then I would see, he would show me, uh, you know, the right way to do it and uh, not the right way to do it. And you'd be like, oh, yeah, that makes so much sense. Uh, the thing he didn't tell me that was how hard it would be to, to, to get to that. But uh, I think that, you know, the, the mental aspect of the game with Frankie was mostly preparation. You know, if you work hard in practice and, and you do the right things and you, you, you make saves in practice, then you should be able to, uh, you, you know, it should translate into your game. And, and uh, you know, the one thing I was never afraid to do is work hard. I just needed somebody to show me how to work.
and you did it. And and the, the the credit to you is that when you finally had somebody working with you, you listened, you did the work, and it paid off. I want to get back now to your big run in 0203. You you you're facing the defending Stanley Cup champions and the Detroit Red Wings, and you sweep them in four days. <laughs> yes. and, and quite frankly, you're setting records. If correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't you set a record for the most saves during a single playoff game in that series? Uh, you know what? Like, I, I, it could be. Yeah, it could be. I know I think yeah. the first game I had like 65 shots or something like that. It was which is normal, you know, right? I don't know. It's all a blur. Yeah, it's just normal, normal things to to happen, right? But. <laughs> When you're when uh, you're no, a team though, when you're a Red Wing team and you're facing a guy like this, you're like you get and clearly what happened with them was they like we're never going to beat this guy, we're never going to beat this guy, and they didn't. So now you get past them and you face Dallas. Your game one, you stopped sixty of sixty three shots in the series opener in a five overtime win. <laughs> what was that like? Like you just you just did you got pummeled by Pox against the Red Wings, and now you're it's like. Oh, you want to exhale? You just knocked off the defending yeah, champ, yeah. and it gets even worse against Dallas. Well, yeah, and and uh, you know, you, you when you have a first good four games, you know, a good first series, all you want to do is not like go into the second round and then like uh, have a whoopsie or or just start playing badly. So you just, I don't know, you know, Dallas really tough building for me to play in. It was hot in Dallas, always humid. Uh, once you get in April, you know, uh, mid-April, it's you know, it really you can feel that humidity in the building. And uh, for me, oh, that was awful, awful. You know, I'd go to Dallas, I'd lose on a on a regular game, probably ten to fifteen pounds. You know, like uh, because of the humidity. And now <laughs> there, you, there we are going into the fifth overtime, and uh, it, it was, you know, it, it was just a mental battle. You know, and I knew. For me, you know, I always approach the game like I'm fighting against the other goalie. And I knew that if I just kept my game simple, try to cut the mistakes down, you know, eventually he wouldn't make a mistake, you know. And he didn't. He just gave up a goal. But I, I, I was, you know, confident that at some point it would happen. I didn't think it would take, you know, five overtime. But uh, uh, I, at that point, I was on the verge of not being able to play anymore because everything on my body was cramping up. I couldn't, I couldn't speak anymore because my jaw... I cramped up. My hands were all cramped up. So it was it was just a blessing that we scored early in that overtime period. Okay, look, you and I are buddies, and I, and I ask you this, and if you don't feel comfortable talking about it, that's up to you. But we we started to discover a little later. You kept it pretty quiet initially, but you had a rare gastric condition that actually contributed and made things more difficult. To the extent you feel comfortable sharing, will you share with us on that? No, no, yeah, I'm very comfortable with that because yeah. It's not necessarily a rare thing. It's just I, I'm, uh, my body is over efficient. I wish it was today. It's still over efficient. And that that one, you know, that's in the garbage. But no. Uh, so what I've been told is just you, my body wants to start eating up. Uh, you know, it just kind of gets in overdrive and just want, you know. So I I just sweat like a mad person. You know. So yeah. and and there's a lot of goalies like this in the NHL. You have all your gear. You have your mask. And I've tried so many things. Right. I've tried. Uh, all kinds of different stuff. And so it was hard for me to be able to drink as much liquid that I needed to replenish what I had lost. So it, it took a lot of years, a lot of years before I was able to get it under control to where I would be able to perform just a regular game. And then when you get to overtime in playoff, you know, you just get it. You do what you got to do. You got to keep drinking, to stick with it. And I've played with a catheter in my arm. 
uh, I would nice. just leave it there, you know, in overtime so that the doctor could put the, the liquid in you in between periods because, you know, you just don't have time to be poked every period in between periods. You just want the liquid in as fast as possible. And that really helped actually in, in that five overtime period. Uh, game. Okay, just to be clear, you're playing <laughs> hockey, round two in the Stanley Cup playoffs. You're getting pummeled with pucks. You've actually got an IV dangling from your arm because you know yeah. as soon as you get a chance, I got to pump you with some more fluids. What the heck were you thinking? Well, I just want to be hydrated. You know, it's so hard, it's so humid. But I, have you ever been poked by a doctor? They don't know what they're yes. doing. It's like you know, it's the nurse that does it. So you know, by the time the doctor had find my vein, I, I had blood everywhere. I, I looked like a junkie. I'm like, okay, you just gotta leave it there. We're not doing that again. Just leave it there, tape it up, and uh, I won't feel it. And he's like, okay, okay. <laughs> I think he was happy. He was happy to just leave it there. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's crazy. And at one point, you had you had a deal with Gatorade, and Gatorade's not a show sponsor. Tell us your situation with Gatorade and how you were trying to make sure that you could stay hydrated. Well, uh, when I played in Calgary, I, I had a scare, right, and, and uh, where I lost like 19 pounds in the game, ended up at the hospital, uh, severely dehydrated. And we came up some, with some ideas. Uh, you know, I went to the University of Calgary. They did some tests and stuff like that. We came up with, with a, a drinking plan, but, uh, you know, that wasn't necessarily the, the best, but it really was the beginning of it, you know, and that's why and that's when I started drinking with a straw, you know, to try to get less oxygen in your stomach so you can get, get more liquid, right? Uh, but in 05, 06, uh, my dehydration was a big problem uh, i was having a hard time finishing game i was having a hard time you know rebounding from the game uh the next day practicing and stuff like that my energy level was way low and uh, randy carlisle uh told me and just you know not so one way he's like you got to figure out a way to get that under control so it's hard but you know i i kept seeing those commercial on on tv uh i think it was like Jose Theodore, Sidney Crosby at the Gatorade yeah. Institute doing tests. I'm like, why well, want to go there? I want to do those tests. So we, uh, you know, we found a way to get there. It was in Ohio and uh, went there and it really changed my life, honestly. The only thing is, is just I drank a lot of Gatorades. Like basically, I lost about between three and four liters of liquid an hour. So you have to figure out a way to replenish that liquid, but it can be water. Water is just not enough, you know, because you're losing sodium, you're losing potassium, whatever is in the Gatorade. So I ended up drinking on a game day about 20 Gatorades a day, like the bottle, the big bottle, the squirt bottles. And I haven't drank a Gatorade since, believe me, because it was a nightmare. I don't blame you. The price you paid to accomplish what you did. So now you're battling through the dehydration. You're playing with an IV in your arm. Uh, you get by the Dallas Stars, and now you're facing the New Jersey Devils in the Stanley Cup Final. And that's got a moment that it's one of the most disturbing pieces of video I've ever seen, and I'm sure it affected you pretty dramatically. Um, we're in conversation with Stanley Cup champion Jay Shigar. Can you tell walk our audience through the Paul Correa hit and what that did to you guys as a team? Uh, that was an awful hit. You know, and, and I think it was, uh, it, it changed the course of the, the series. There's no doubt about it. It changed the course of Paul's career and his life. You know, and that's the worst part of it. You know, the, the series and hockey, that's a sidebar. But, you know, to see your captain, your 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 team leader 
down on the ice like that, passed out, not breathing. Uh, it really shook us, you know. And and the hard part today is knowing that he doesn't remember playing the rest of that game or game seven, you know. And and uh, that's hard to hear, you know. It's hard to hear because we didn't know that, you know. I didn't know that. I should have known that, you know. I should have probably be a better teammate and and. But, you know, you're so focused on, on the goal. You're so focused on the game that, uh, you know, it's it's one of my biggest regrets that I didn't pay more attention. And I think that's how hockey was back then, but probably not an excuse. You know, you should know better. So it, it was hard. It was hard to see. You know what time it is? It's time to crush your cravings with 7-Eleven Cravables, like their world-famous taquitos, fully loaded nachos, hot from the oven in minutes, 24-7 pizza, and the one and only Slurpee. They'll deliver it straight to your door before you can say, hey dude, have you seen my phone? Get 7-Eleven delivered fast, 24-7. Use promo code FREE7 to get $7 off your first two orders of $15 or more on 7Now. Download the 7-Eleven app. The Overtime Podcast is proud to partner with Athletes Care, the preferred sports medicine clinic for legends in hockey and all other sports. Athletes Care is proud to be celebrating our 25th year offering sports medicine services in downtown Toronto. In addition to physiotherapy, our service offerings include massage therapy, chiropractic care, medical acupuncture, orthotics, and orthopedic bracing. The Athletes Care team consists of the best sports medicine doctors and specialists that have been responsible for the treatment of athletes at the highest levels of competition, including athletes from the Olympics, the NHL, NBA, and Major League Baseball. When you need rehab for a new or chronic injury or pain, go to where the best go. Athletes Care Sports Medicine Clinics with 24 locations in the greater Toronto area and Ottawa. In fairness to you, though, um, and, and I've had some, a lot of great conversations with Paul recently when he went into the Hall of Fame a couple of years ago. He's doing well. He's healthy. Yep. But, but Jess, he's a private individual as it is. I mean, he's a very, very – I mean, you knew him as a teammate. Yeah. He's a private yeah. guy. He doesn't like to talk about himself. So it was hard for him going through all that stuff. But, but he's doing – you'll be encouraged to know he's doing much better now. No, I've seen him since and uh, many times, and he's, you know, as as Paul is, he's very healthy. You know, he's he's uh, takes care of himself very well. Uh, you know, surfs every day at five a.m. He's very focused when he does something. Uh, you know, he jumps right in, and uh, uh, and he's still a terrible poker player. So, you know, there there it is. <laughs> I'm terrible, but he's terrible. He's oh, I thought you were telling me you were winning a lot of money off him, so it was a good thing. He's a terrible, terrible <laughs> poker player. Oh, so no, in he's the so end, cheap. He's so cheap. It's, it's unbelievable. It's, he well, plays one round in an hour. It's With all the painful. money he's got, he's got to make ends meet, eh? <laughs> so, so you go with the Devils. You guys lose in the Stanley Cup final. Now, there's a happy ending because we're going to get to your Stanley Cup title in a few minutes. But um, you win the Conn Smythe. That's got to be the ultimate bittersweet moment where they're about to hand out the Stanley Cup and they call you up to accept the Conn Smythe, feeling as low as you've ever probably felt in your life and yet trying to celebrate what you did on a personal level. What what was that contrast like for you at that moment? Uh, it's such a weird moment. You know, there's not a day that wouldn't go by that I would not trade it for the Stanley Cup, you know, and, and celebrate this with your teammates. And, yeah. uh, you know, I'm super proud of what I, I did that year. And, 
you know, it was a great learning experience. It was, uh, you know, it, it was a, you know, positive experience, except for that last game. And uh, there's not one day that we go by, I, went, I would trade it. But, you know, it was a weird, you know, to be in New Jersey, getting booed, getting the trophy. Uh, none of my teammates knew what was happening. They were all in the dressing room. And, you know, you're not going to bring that trophy in the dressing room. It, it, it was such a weird moment. Uh, not something I would wish on anybody. But, you know, it was uh, the way it is. And it, it got me ready for 2007. So, at the end of the day, I think I had to go through that to be able to uh, go to the final and, and finishing it all. Let's talk about 2007 now. Um how how impactful? Why look back at 07? I mean, obviously, a lot of great talent on that team, yourself included. But the Chris Pronger effect. Tell me about the Chris oh. Pronger effect on that team. Well, uh, the year before, we'd gone to the conference final uh, against Edmonton. And uh, he had such a big effect on, on the series. That's why, you know, I always say that's why we lost the, the series. It was because of him. We We were more focused on him they're not playing your game, you know, and he, he had us rattled. Uh, you know, we all hated him to a T. And, uh, you, you know, Prongs, when he, he skates around and he's got his, like, he, he's got his head up and he's got such a presence on the ice and love to hate him, right? And I, it was the, the guy I hated the most uh, that I against. And then I loved him, you know, when I played with him. But, yeah. uh, you know, I think I, I think it was genius when we went and got him. I was like, oh, there that will that will be what, what will make the difference, and uh, it was, you know, it, it really was, because we had Scott already. Though, you know, Scott Neumeier is such an amazing yeah. player, effortless, uh, so much skill, his skating ability are amazing, uh, but not the most rough, you know, guy. Like he's he's more of a, on the skill side, and then you get Chris, and both guys can play thirty minutes, no problem, and and you know, as a goalie, you're like, wow, this is amazing. You know, I've got one of the two on the ice at all time. Uh, you know, like I can't go wrong with that. So, uh, but as a team, you know, two different kind of leaders. One is very quiet, the other one is vocal. But they really, you know, they gel together. They become real. They became real good friends, and uh, it was amazing for uh, our organization to have those two in the lineup. Uh, we've we had Scott Niedermeyer on the show, and it's always interesting to to hear his look back on that Cup final run, and then to get your perspective and. Like he's so so humble and shy and stuff, and it's interesting how you pick him as one of the two guys <laughs> who were keys and leaders and stuff like that. Are there certain moments during that cup run that just kind of stand out in your mind and say it was at that moment I thought, oh my god, we could win it all this year? Uh, you know, a training camp. <laughs> we we just knew really. You know, we we just knew when we started the season. I don't exactly remember what was a record, but we went like on a 15 games uh, without losing or something to start the season. We all knew that we had the team to go all the way. And and uh, so it was one of those that, uh, you know, we all felt confident in our team. Uh, in February, we, we had a bit of a low uh, through injuries and stuff like that. But uh, there was a, never any question that our goal from day one was to win the Stanley Cup. And, you uh, you know, we won it in 21 games. Like it's yeah. not that it wasn't easy by any means, but it looked uh, easy from the outside. Well, you know, you know, the great part about that team is we could play any kind of game. 
you know, you couldn't intimidate us. We had a bunch of guys that could hit you. And uh, we had Brad Mabe, uh, Boschman, we had Prongs, uh, uh, you know, Sean O'Donnell, like all big guys that could just like go to bat. Uh, Moen, Travis Moen, uh, Rob Minamar that could hit you too. You know what I mean? Like we had such a tough team to play against. And then, and then you know, you want to play the skill kind of games. We had guys that could play the skill kind of games too. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like we had a, a mix of... Uh, a, a, a kind of team that weren't intimidated with any kind of games. We had speed. Uh, we could fight, hit. You know, we could score some goals. Uh, I think we could make saves too. So it was a, a, a great, you know, a team that uh, I think was really well built. And uh, so we had no doubt in our head that we could do it. Yeah, it was amazing. And I, I know I was flying back and forth. Uh, to Ottawa because you guys were facing the Sens in the cup final that year and you did it in five games and it was like it was almost anticlimactic <laughs> from, a, <laughs> from a broadcaster standpoint yeah. it was almost like well okay that wasn't as exciting <laughs> <laughs> well this is not it's not going to play in the TSN classic games or yeah. series that's for sure but hey you know we, we won but you know the personally the way I felt is you know when I played against Marty Berder in the final in 03 I felt a bit intimidated, you know, and the, you know, you, you go through the playoff and the final is a different, you know, beast because now everybody from, you know, around the world uh, that's following hockey is there. All your family, everybody, all your friends, uh, everybody that loves hockey is just going to watch a final, you know, or be there or talk about it. And yeah. So it's, it's very different than the rest of the playoff. And, uh, you know, I think Marty Berder had definitely an, an advantage on me because he had been through it. And he knew what to expect. And I think I had an advantage in 07 on Ray Emery, who had never been through that. And anything that you say, anything that you do is scrutinized. And, uh, you know, I, I knew what to expect a little bit more. And I felt like I, uh, it, you know, losing in 03 really gave me an advantage in 07. That's for sure. I want to ask you a question about Marty, because I've had Marty on the show. Great guy. And I'm so glad yeah. he's involved in the game because he's so smart. Um, he shared a story about winning and, and he said that there was some, there was always something niggling in the back of his mind because he kind of felt like he had to keep proving himself over and over again, despite winning the cup, because people were saying, yeah, but anybody could play enough for that team. But yeah, yeah. he didn't see their kind of rubber, but in fairness, it's like, okay, he didn't see as much rubber as you did at that point, but he stopped everything. Yeah. I mean, what's what's your take on that? Did we under? I mean, he's a Hall of Famer, one of the greatest goaltenders of all time, obviously. But did did we underplay how amazing he was? No, uh, yes, we did. Yes, for sure. And uh, I mean, he, he shot us out three times in in '03 in the final. I mean, you know, he he, he was like a guy that is just an outstanding athlete. He's he's uh, you know a natural type of uh, athlete and and uh you know he, he could play any kind of games you know he he's had games where he had 40 shots and he, he was he was just as efficient as the games that he had 15 shots so he was just a, the type of guy that mentally was super strong could play you know he stayed really focused uh played so many games too like it's, it's not many people could play that many games uh in, in their career so uh yeah we underplayed what, what he did and and uh I mean, you just got to look at his record. It speaks for itself. There's no doubt. And I've rarely been intimidated in my life by an authority. Uh, but he was one of them that, 
intimidated me because I had I had to be better than him. That's just it's not that easy to do. That is not a big that is not a small task. So no, four years earlier, while he's celebrating, you're forced to skate over to center ice and accept the con Smythe as the MVP of the team that lost. Now in 07, you get to go to center ice again, and now you get to hoist the Stanley Cup. What was that moment like for you? Uh, such a relief. You know, you, you dream of it. And uh, I don't know that really you believe that it's ever going to happen to you. You know, it's so, you know, I don't know if that you necessarily believe that it's going to, that you deserve it or I don't know. It's it's just a, it's a, uh, such a relief to be able to do it. You, and and 03 was such a surprise to be playing in the final and you, you never think that it's going to be your turn. And then uh, next, you know, you lose and then you're like, oh, is it going to ever happen again? Like it's, uh, am I going to have another chance? And then you get to it again. And that, at that time, I was just like, this is it. You know, this, I'm not going to let that one get away. And uh, thankfully, we had an amazing team. You know, it was a, a, a great, a, you know, such a chemistry in the team. And to be able to win the cup with those guys, we, would, we had been through so much, uh, such a relief and so much fun. And you brought a, you brought a Stanley Cup to Southern California, which is amazing. To Anaheim, which was yeah, incredible yeah. in and of itself. There are a lot of very bitter hockey fans north of the border who still haven't seen a cup <laughs> in Canada since 1993. It's been a long drought, my friend. It's been a long drought. In those days, California hockey was so strong. Uh, all three teams were were uh, uh, you know at the top of the league, and uh, to be able to be the first, you know, we can always say that we were the first, even though the Kings now have two. But, uh, you know, I think it's amazing. The game has grown a lot in the U.S. Uh, you know, there's probably over uh, 25, 30,000 kids that play hockey in, in Southern California. You know, I mean, that's a good thing. That's, that's good for hockey. And it's, uh, I think winning the cup really helps growing the game. And I think we did a good job. Whenever I talk to guys who, who spent the most successful portion of their careers in California um, and other non-traditional hockey markets. I always like to find out what their perspective was because I would think here you are winning Conspites and you're winning the Stanley Cup and I'm going to guess and I've had this conversation with Joe Thornton before you could still walk into Starbucks and no one's bugging you. <laughs> like I get the Starbucks races J or the, the JS <laughs> who's this? Like what was that? Because you spent most of your career playing there and then all of a sudden you end up in Toronto where it's a whole different world. <laughs> What was it like being, were you anonymous in Southern California for the most part? And what was it like when you went to Toronto and suddenly you couldn't go anywhere without being recognized? Well, it was different, but, uh, you know, I, I, I accepted going to Toronto. I didn't have to, you know, I had no trade clause and uh, I wanted to experience it truthfully. I wanted to know what it was like to play for uh, original six team and especially a Canadian team like that. Uh, I, I had a blast. Like, what, what a great city and a great organization. And, uh, you know, I was old enough in those days that I could just not read the papers, not worry about what people were saying and stuff like that because my times in Toronto weren't the shiniest. So I had to keep, you know, put that aside. But in in Anaheim, I mean, you know, you didn't always go unnoticed. You know, people, uh, you know, there was a fan base there and, uh, you'd go to uh, Fashion Island and walk around. It wouldn't be rare that people would recognize you. But uh, obviously, it wasn't uh, at the level of Toronto, that's for sure. 
My gosh, you look fantastic. Um, I, I just so enjoyed it's it's fun for our audience to hear these things, but it's also I will tell you honestly, GS, it's so nice to to kind of reminisce and talk about these. I, I just appreciate your time. You've just been very, very gracious with your time. Can we play five fast facts before you go? Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Okay, five fast facts. I'm going to ask All you right. five quick questions. You give me the immediate thing that comes to your mind. Okay. Sometimes okay. we can't off guard with this. I'm terrible with that. Yes. No, no, no <laughs> pressure. Okay, here we go. Time now for five fast facts with Stanley Cup champion Jay Shigar. Who was the best teammate that you ever played with? Uh, my best was Mark Schwinnard. Because? Uh, well, I, oh, you want me to? Okay, so uh, Schwinny was just, I grew up with him. I played with him in junior. Uh, you know, he was drafted by Hanheim. So when I got traded there, we, we spent a lot of time together. And uh, I have many other good friends, but uh, Schwinny was uh, definitely, a, he was my best man at my wedding too, so. Awesome. Who was the best coach yeah. you ever played for? <laughs> uh, the best coach probably was Mike Babcock. People won't like that, but uh, yeah, I'm not ashamed to say it. He was he was a good coach. He was well prepared. Uh, he was there for the O3 run mm-hmm. and uh, intense. Uh, he definitely has his fault, unfortunately, but uh, he was the best coach I had. I think. Yeah. Fair enough. Who did you hate playing against the most, and why? Well, prongs, uh, you know, he, he, he's just a nightmare, you know, it's, it's his aura and the way that he presents himself on the ice. He's so, uh, you know, he's got such, he's so cocky in a way, you know, and, uh, you know, he, uh, I don't know, I hated playing against him. But then you liked playing with him and it turned oh, out really love, well. loved him and my team. Yeah, best player ever. <laughs> what was the best NHL city you loved playing in? I loved coming back to Montreal. You know, there's no... No better feeling than than, than uh, coming home. First of all, see your fam- my family that was here, but uh, the atmosphere in the ring, the Bell Center, uh, is so different. You know the way the the, the stands are made, and uh, you know you come here as a Toronto Maple Leaf. Such a fun game. Uh, so I, I love coming to Montreal. If you hadn't become an NHL player, what career do you think you would have pursued instead? Uh, probably, uh, my dad was a, uh, prison guard. My brother is a police officer. My sister is a police officer. Probably would have followed those steps. I am guessing, but, uh, and I have a bunch of uncles and cousins that are firemen. So my guess is I would have done something physical like that. I'm not surprised. You still look like you're in great shape. What are you doing now? <laughs> uh, I coach my, uh, my youngest kid right now. I've got three boys. Uh, you know, from 16, 14, and 11. Awesome. Uh, last year, I coached two of them. That was, uh, you know, kept me real busy. Are any of them goalies? My oldest is goalie. Never again. My, my, my oldest is the goalie. My youngest wanted to try. I'm like, no, nope, this is not happening. Uh, you're not going to be a goalie. It's a nightmare. So, uh, yeah, my youngest is now in a prep school in, in Ontario. So that's nice. That's uh you know, we're, we're on the road a lot, my wife and I, between my, and then my middle guy plays basketball. That's a nice change, but between their schedule, you know, we're always on the road. And I, I do a little bit of a TV work uh, with TVA Sports, and uh, that keeps me somewhat busy, but I only do it about once a week, once every two weeks. So uh, I don't want to have a full-time job at this point. Well, you worked hard your whole career. You battled some amazing obstacles, physical, emotional, mental as well, and, and you're doing it. You did it. Uh, Stanley Cup champion, Constance winner. It has been so amazing to be chatting with Jess. I'm so glad you're in such good health. Continue to enjoy your time with your boys. Well, thank you. Thank you. Anytime. Uh, that was fun. 
Stanley Cup champion and Conn Smythe winner, J.S. Jaguar has been our guest. The Overtime Podcast is proudly presented by 7-Eleven and Athletes Care. Before leaving the rink, order your favorite Slurpee, fresh 100% premium Arabica coffee, hot premium pizza and wings, a pint of ice cream, or even a carton of milk, a dozen eggs, local bread from the 7 Now app and Team 7-Eleven. We'll have your order ready for pickup 24-7. Athletes Care is proud to be celebrating their 25th year offering sports medicine services to both elite athletes and the general population require rehab for a new or chronic injury or pain. Go to where the best go. Athletes Care Sports Medicine Clinics with 24 locations in the greater Toronto area and Ottawa. Hey, if you missed any parts of the show, don't worry. Visit our website at overtimepodcast.ca where you can both listen and subscribe to future shows. 7-Eleven's Overtime Podcast can be found on the iHeartRadio app, Spotify, iTunes Podcasts, or any of your favorite podcast platforms. Until next week, I'm Gino Retta saying so long, hockey fans, and thanks for joining us on the 7-Eleven Overtime Podcast. You know what time it is? It's time to crush your cravings with 7-Eleven Cravables, like their world-famous taquitos, fully loaded nachos, hot-from-the-oven-in-minutes 24-7 pizza, and the one and only Slurpee. They'll deliver it straight to your door before you can say, Hey, dude, have you seen my phone? Get 7-Eleven delivered fast, 24-7. Use promo code FREE7 to get $7 off your first two orders of $15 or more on 7Now. Download the 7-Eleven app. The Overtime Podcast is proud to partner with Athletes Care, the preferred sports medicine clinic for legends in hockey and all other sports. Athletes Care is proud to be celebrating our 25th year offering sports medicine services in downtown Toronto. In addition to physiotherapy, our service offerings include massage therapy, chiropractic care, medical acupuncture, orthotics, and orthopedic bracing. The Athletes Care team consists of the best sports medicine doctors and specialists that have been responsible for the treatment of athletes at the highest levels of competition, including athletes from the Olympics, the NHL, NBA, and Major League Baseball. When you need rehab for a new or chronic injury or pain, go to where the best go. Athletes Care Sports Medicine Clinics with 24 locations in the greater Toronto area and Ottawa.